This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hey parents, welcome to this special edition of the Wonder of Parenting podcast. My name is Tim Wright, along as always with Dr. Michael Gurian. And today, we are going to focus on moms. It's going to be Mother's Day in about a week from now, at least when this drops. And so we thought let's spend some time talking about uh, our own moms, our relationship with our moms, and uh, some of the assets that moms bring and what makes moms so special. And Michael, it's good to have you with us as always today as we oh, talk about moms. it's a celebratory day. Great to be with you. And uh, as is probably true for a lot of people, uh, you know, moms and relationships with their kids uh, can be both joyous and messy at times. And I think that's just the reality of being humans and being in close relationship. And you'll probably hear some of that today as Michael and I talk about our moms. We both had uh, moms, of course, and, and uh, but different relationships with them. And um, Michael, I thought we'd start with you. You were just mentioning to me before we got online that uh, last night was kind of a special deal for your family and the Jewish faith. And and so why don't you talk about that and then, and just talk a little bit about your mom and your relationship okay. with her. Uh, yeah, it's just coincidental when we're taping this that uh, last night was a year. Um, well, it's the yearly anniversary of her death. She died in 2011. But uh, in, in the Jewish faith, we have this thing called Yartzeit. So you go... Uh, to temple and say a prayer and open the ark, uh, which is uh, where the Torah is, you know, and it's a little, you have that honor. And so my dad and I went, my dad's still alive, he's 90. And he and I went and said our prayers and opened the ark. And it was, uh, and it coincided actually with a friend's son's bar mitzvah. So um, that was really wonderful, you know, the old and the young. I mean, it's just, it was beautiful. Uh, yeah, and so my mom was a complex figure, as you've hinted, and it, it. I think really Mother's Day is a celebratory day, and relationships with moms, you know, obviously are so deep and so wonderful. The complexity in my case is that I, as I, as people may have read in one, a couple of my books, um, uh, the sentence I I knew this person loved me more than anyone on earth, but also tried to hurt me more than anyone on earth, and um, and she, that's where she was complex, she had some mental illness issues. So she was very loving, she was a good soul, very moral. I got a lot of my smarts from her, I got my sense of, uh, part of my sense of morality from her, good character from her, uh, a, lot of, a lot of great things from her. But she also was violent, so she did beat her kids. And um, uh, I ran away many times. Um, my sister was taken out of the home by CPS and the police when she was 10, put into a foster family. Uh, you know, so that was, she had a dark side. And um, I do think part of why I'm in the fields I'm in of, of you know, marriage and family counselor as doing therapy is partly because of, of my relationship with her, you know, I'm sure. Uh, also, my advocacy for boys is because I, I think I was always trying to advocate for myself, you know, trying to survive and thrive. Um, uh, and also the the working in schools, working in families, you know, I can just see the pain that 
boys often are in and children are often in, I have daughters, uh, because I can see a lot of the world through the lens of that complex mother-son relationship where the person really does love you more than anything, but can hurt you more than anything. So as we were kind of thinking through this this uh, conversation today, um, you know, we did have a little concern because Michael's story is a little bit darker. There's challenges there, but it it's really a part of our stories with our moms. And uh, I'm sure that there are some of our listeners out there who've had similar kinds of challenging relationships with their moms. And so how did you, as you moved into adulthood, now you recognize your mom had some mental illness and so on, but that still didn't change the fact that there were some deep challenges for you. How did you start to come to terms with you and your relationship with your mom and come to terms with your mom? Uh, yeah, I, I wrote a book on this called Mothers, Sons, and Lovers. It was my second trade book. So the second book, you know, published by a New York publisher um, uh, back in like 91, 92, kind of talked about this journey. I was in therapy for many, many years. You know, I would say pretty much straight for about 10 years. Um, I was in therapy. And that was also because of, as we've discussed elsewhere, because of the sexual abuse that occurred. And so for about a 10 year period, I was really on a journey of healing. And um, a part of the healing was therapeutic part of it was spiritual i'm a very spiritual person and so the the concept of forgiveness you know is is a is just a huge deal in those worlds in any world and so i just kept working you know at, at trying to forgive and trying to mine the wound for the gold uh always trying to you know i'm a pretty positive person so always trying to figure out what what did i get from that you know what are the assets i got i got a lot of assets what are they um and part of why i was in, in therapy was to make sure i didn't you know, pass on any of the violence. So for instance, I never hit my kids. So I broke that cycle. Uh, and so I think there were some stages of, of the healing and of making peace. The first was therapy, uh, which I think is crucial. And if anyone's listening to this and they have mother, daughter or mother, son issues, that book, Mother, Sons and Lovers is, the, is a whole therapeutic journey. Um, and ultimately there's forgiveness. Uh, uh, the second thing is having your own kids. I really think that, well, no, I would say the second thing is Gail, meeting Gail, loving Gail, being able to love a woman who then became a mother, you know, without projecting my own mother onto her. Uh, well, that took a lot of therapy, a lot of work. My first relationship, I was in a five-year relationship before Gail. That was just, we were at each other's throats all the time. It was, you know, it was the relationship that one uses, one relates through conflict because one is working through one's own wounds, you know. And I feel for her that, and she, she and I have been in touch that person and she was working out her wounds. And so that was not a good relationship, but, but we worked a lot of stuff out. And by the time Gail came along when I was 26, um, so that was a big deal being able to relate to Gail and her to relate to me without carrying a lot of this forward. And then there was third was really having kids and then seeing that I wasn't passing it on to my kids. That was very freeing. And in that process, I did keep trying to make peace with my mom but she, she's highly critical, and so uh, she was. And so that we would come together, but then some big explosion would happen. She would attack me or the kids or something, and then you know we wouldn't talk for two years. And then we'd go try again, because we're mature people. We would keep trying. Uh, and finally, I think toward the very end, um, she died a very painful death because of a number of diseases. At the very end, you know, I, I think we had made peace, um, uh, but we graded on each other. and even toward the very end, you know, we, she, she just was a very critical person and I would respond to her criticism, not happily. 
and we would still have these little fights. But by then, I think it was more sort of family friction. Uh, and then we all helped her, you know, in her last years of life. And then she passed. And by, absolutely by then, the forgiveness was was mutual. I carry no negative forward. Um, uh, you know, now I just turn it into gold, really. It, it must have been, though, really challenging, you know, because you said this is a woman who loves me more than anyone and hurts me more than anyone. As a kid in particular, trying to, and, and even as an, an adult, trying to wait, make your way through uh, such a complex relationship. And I know there's a number of our people listening who've probably had those same kind of conflicting relationships. Well, yeah, I mean, I had perseverance. I had to stick at it. I, I, I stayed in, in therapy. I actually... Uh, still love my therapist. I mean, I still go, I don't go every week now, but I, you know, I still go back. So, I mean, I really, I think the therapeutic process, which I started at, well, I started at 10 and that, that didn't go very well. That was a psychiatrist. Um, that was where the sexual abuse was. But, but when I was at 16, I started it with someone who was really good and, and pretty much straight from 16 to 26, you know, through college and grad school, I was in therapy. Uh, that, that was what made it possible. If I hadn't been in therapy, I truly don't know that I would have been able to to make peace with it. And then I don't know what what would have happened. You know, how would I have been as a husband? How would I have been as a father? So, if someone asked me what was the one thing that happened, it was that because I couldn't get my mother to change, and um, and she had a lot of assets. You know, so I, it wasn't like you know it wasn't like she was a total bad person. She was actually in many ways a wonderful person. Um, it's just that her relationship with me was, you know, was at times violent. So I had to compartmentalize it, which therapy helped to do and say, okay, those were those violent times, you know, okay, we're done with that now, you know, you're a college student now. Um, and then what I was just dealing with was the hypercriticism that she had and the kind of meanness. And then I would go, okay, you know, compartmentalize that because, because she really thinks she's loving you, <laughs> you know, and, and if you don't go in therapy, you can't reframe that. Right. It's it's hard to reframe that and to inculcate the reframing so that you're able to to say, oh, yeah, that's just her personality. She can't change. But, you know, she has these assets uh, that that took, you know, it was that was that 10 years. And then um, and then keeping that going every time we had a family blow up, every time my kids, you know, had issues with her or whatever, just keeping it going, helping everyone to compartmentalize um, and making a lot of errors and forgiving myself for those errors, you know. Uh, there were times I was much harder on her than really I should have been because, of course, those were times when I was uh, backlashing against her and doing all those things when I was young. Um, so so I think I think compartmentalizing with the help of therapists was probably the best I could do with my mom and her personality. Like there was never going to be a perfect relationship there because that's not how she's built. But compartmentalizing with the help of support, that was the best I could get. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I have been uh, a pastor now for 35 years, and every year on Mother's Day weekend, we uh, do a special service for moms. And uh, every year for 35 years, it's always been a little tricky because a lot of us, probably most of us, 
uh, have, you know, at least good, decent relationships with our moms. Um, but then there are those like you, you know, sitting in the uh, the congregation whose relationship with their mom is strained or, uh, you know, maybe mom passed away and they miss mom. Uh, or there are women in the congregation who never had a chance to be moms and wish that they had. So Mother's Day is always one of those, uh, very different than Father's Day. It's just one of those highly uh, important, emotive days in the lives uh, in, in the life of our country. And uh, and so part of the reason why we wanted to start with Michael's story was to just acknowledge that um, there are people whose hearts are broken and there's people whose hearts are hurting uh, during this time. But I want to seg now to where many of us are, and that's, uh, you know, good relationships with our moms. And um, so my relationship with my mom was very different. My mom uh, was a pastor's kid and um, grew up in a fairly strict religious home. Um, and uh, my grandpa was a great guy, and I became a pastor because of him. So it wasn't uh, you know, highly legalistic, but fairly conservative in terms of what they could and could not do. And um, she graduated from high school, uh, went to one quarter uh, of a Bible college, and uh, then came home and, and um, met my dad. And my dad was kind of the guy from the other side of the tracks, uh, his dad was an alcoholic, and uh, you know his mom raised him, and he grew up in a lot of poverty. And and uh, but somehow, in some way, he he not only charmed my mom, but uh, charmed my my mom's parents. And uh, in fact, my dad eventually got to see his my grandfather as his his real dad. Um, so my mom was not necessarily a highly educated person, um, but she was street smart. She uh, raised five kids. Uh, I was born, and then uh, I had a brother come about uh, 13 months later, and then our, my, other, uh, my other brother came 12 months later. <laughs> so uh, my parents were, were uh, quite, quite prolific uh, in having kids, and then I have two sisters. And, uh, you know, my dad worked hard, and he worked long hours, sometimes two jobs. My mom uh, was a stay-at-home mom. And um, she, she, you know, she made lunches for us every day and she'd get us up and, and, um, you know, every day before we go to school, she would pray with us and send us off to school. And she was very involved in our, our lives and did a lot of volunteer work as we were growing up with the various groups and church groups that we were a part of. Um, And, uh, you know, she, she also, in the midst of all of this, um, while raising five kids, had a lot of health issues. And she had severe asthma. And um, as I was going through some therapy myself with some anxiety issues, one of the things we discovered is my mom was in the hospital 40 times in my first 10 years of my life. So she was not only, you know, trying to hold down the fort, so to speak, with these five kids and, uh, you know, husband who was, you know, busy working. And then my grandparents just lived about a mile from us. Um, But she had her own health issues as well and, and just did remarkably well. And uh, just one one story kind of captures a little bit of who she was. My my brother and I, my brother Jeff, and you know Jeff, Michael, yeah. we're, we're just really close. But uh, in in our early life, we were really at each other's throats all the time. And um, you know, part of it was you know Jeff wanted to be like his big brother, and understandably so. You know me, understandably <laughs> so. So I uh, he uh, you know every time I would do something, he would have to do it, and we were fighting all the time, all the time, and. Uh, Finally, one day we were young teenagers and my mom said, that's it. 
And she marched us into my bedroom and she said, I'm locking the doors and you're not coming out until you figure out how to get along. Uh, and uh, uh, when I tell that story, I tell people a month uh, later we came out. Uh, but but that was the turning point in my relationship with my brother Jeff, where we just had to come to terms with each other because my mom had the wisdom to say, you guys love each other. Now figure it out. And uh, and we did. And um, so she was she was just that kind of mom, and, and she was very invested in her grandkids, did a lot of uh, really she cared for my daughter when I was still in school and Jan was working and uh, basically helped raise uh, some of my nieces and nephews. Um, and then was just, uh, and one, one of the things that was a surprise to me, it shouldn't have been, but at her funeral, uh, the numbers of people who came up to me and said, because of your mother, I, and then would fill oh. in a story. And I, I had no idea. Uh, just the kind of compassion that she was doing behind the scenes. So I was, um, you know, it was the kind of thing where um, I knew I had a great mom. I was the firstborn, so, you know, I was always the one trying to pull away. And mom, you know, wasn't always, it wasn't always easy for her to let me go. So we we would have our, our issues once in a while. But uh, I had a deep respect for her. She had a deep respect for me and what we were doing. But I think I'm one of those guys who had a really exceptional mom, and, and didn't realize just how exceptional until after she was gone and heard stories. And that's, that's you know, sometimes the case for all of us. And that's why Mother's Day is such a good day for those of us who have this really, you know, good relationship with our moms or, or maybe strained just to step back and kind of think through, um, you know, who she is and, and what she's meant to us. And uh, so, you know, my relationship is, is very different than Michael's relationship with his mother. And I think that's kind of the gamut that we're talking to today for all of you who are listening. So uh, I think the first thing that we want to say to you today is if uh, your relationship with your mom had been strained uh, and there are issues like Michael had, uh, you know, I think, Michael, you'd be the first to say, get some therapy, work it through. You can be healed. You can come to terms with it. And, uh, you know, for people like me who had a great relationship with mom and continue to, for those of you whose moms are still alive, uh, you know, just to really, uh, you know, take advantage of that, uh, make it a special day for mom this week. But Michael, I want to, I want to turn now a little bit from kind of our stories. And we've, we've done a podcast on this before where we kind of did uh, the differences between moms and dads, but we focus more on dads. Uh, from a brain science research, what are some of the great assets that mom moms bring to the table uh, when it comes to raising oh, kids? Oh wow, <laughs> that's that's a five day podcast. Um, yeah, the you know when we do the research, like we're we're always doing research, and you referred to it, moms and dads, and and we'll we'll do research, and people um, will study what is it that that you know makes kids successful. What what is it? What's that? What's that X factor? You know, and and the research will always show father, right? If they have father, the father is the X factor. But what's assumed in the research already is that the child has mom, right? And and that's unsaid yep. um, because, because mom is already, you know, already is she is the foundation. She's already doing all the things that she's doing. And, um, and so in a way, it's almost unfair to mom the way this research lays out because it doesn't talk ab- about her. Uh, and her assets are assumed, <laughs> and and they they should be spelled out. So I'm really glad you asked. Well, the attachment, you know, 90% of our homes, mom is the primary attachment figure, uh, and so that early attachment that is so biological, uh, 
and, and it can also happen, the oxytocin bursts, all the brain chemistry that happens in mom, uh, the mommy brain, all of that, um, that can also happen for adoptive moms too, somewhat to a lesser degree, but it happens. So, so that attachment is probably the, the biggest gift and it's probably the foundation for uh, the development of the psyche. Uh, you know, the, the child's psyche is templated to develop anyway right? It has a genetic package. It's going to express those genes. But without the, the that primary attachment figure, which is in most cases mom, not always, but in most cases mom, without that, uh, we can expect personality disorders for that, for that person. You know, that attachment is what defines to a great extent whether we would later, later say, oh yeah, that, that, that child turned out okay, you know? So first thing is that being that attachment figure and that that every culture in the past has tried to protect and we have to protect you know that primary attachment even if that means three month uh you know or longer uh parental leave um you know paid leave like canada does they give a year uh, gotta protect that because that's the foundation of the psyche the i think a second thing that moms give is uh, they give that strong moral code they they have expectations they expect certain you know ch children to act a certain way and partly i think they expect that because the culture gives them the code the values but partly it's because the child is sort of an extension of mom mom carried the child assuming here biological mom carried the child the child was a part of her and the child is still to some extent a part of her so when she watches that child grow she's watching a part of her grow and and that passing on of those values and those expectations is um, is a deep and great value. Um, I'd say a third thing is the way mom tends to relate. Moms often, uh, and you made the comparison with dads, more than dads, often, moms tend to be more oxytocin-based. That's their brain chemistry. So they're more tend and befriend. So they often will try to elicit feelings from kids more than dads will elicit words from their kids, you know, want want to sit for an hour and talk about, um, and we call this long burst attachment. So spend long bursts of time, whereas males tend to be more short burst attachment. Both kinds are equally good. They're both really good, but moms tend to do more of the long burst attachment. And so she's spending more time and she's eliciting more words and trying to connect more words to feelings. Um, and so more of that kind of emotional development, which is going to be very important for a child's not only self-esteem or self-image, self-concept, but also that child's ability to relate to others in the future. So that that social emotional growth that moms are so focused on, you know, unconsciously primal drive for moms to help kids be emotional, to be emotionally healthy. Um, that that I would say is a third major gift. Grand Canyon University's RN to BSN online degree program makes earning your bachelor's in nursing possible. Balance online coursework with local in-person clinicals to position yourself for potential leadership opportunities in the time you have from wherever you are, leaving room for what matters. Achieve your goals with your personalized plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu. Whenever you watch a football game or a you know baseball game and the players have a chance to say hi to the camera, it's usually yeah, hi right. mom, 
rarely rarely is it high dad and uh and there are some reasons for that uh but um it what it does say is just how important moms you are uh to us and uh you you really are that that uh, bedrock that uh, helps us grow to be uh the people that um you dream we can be and uh, we couldn't do it without you and um, before we kind of wrap up, we've got a few things we want to do yet before we do, but we want to just draw your attention to some of our resources that we have for you as, as moms and dads. And uh, first of all, if you are not yet connected to our Facebook group, just go to Facebook and search Wonder of Parenting and join the group. And we do some things on there that we aren't able to do on the podcast and encourage you to uh, connect with us there. Also encourage you to go to our website, wonderofparenting.com, wonderofparenting.com. And if you're not a subscriber to the podcast, you can subscribe there. There's a place where you can submit a question. Uh, We're going to be getting back to your questions in our next episode. Uh, There are also a bunch of resources there, from our Rites of Passage programs to books that Michael's written, some e-books that I've written. Encourage you to to, uh, check those out. And Michael, you've you're, you're uh, got this brand new program for parents, an online course. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yeah, that? Yeah, that online course is there. You'll see uh, on wonderofparenting.com, you'll see my my face sort of standing there teaching. And if you click that, it sends you to the website. Uh, and that's six hours of, of very dynamic teaching that you can watch at your own speed. Um, there's no time limit. You just watch it as you can watch it. And then you, there are uh, four hours of group calls uh, for folks in that community who are taking that course. And then there's an hour of personal uh, coaching time with me. So that's for you know things that are confidential, questions you want to ask. That's all included. So 11 hours are included in that in that course. And, and I you know, apropos of our conversation today, I think most of the questions I get uh, and have gotten in my 40 years doing this are from moms. And I think, uh, you know, I think most of the people taking the parenting course are moms. And of course, it shares with dads, grandparents, etc. Uh, and, and I just really do want to celebrate like you do, the fact that moms care so much, and do so much of this work to, you know, to raise their kids the best way they can. Uh, you know, to a great extent, that's why you and I exist, you know, right? And you and I are doing this podcast, yep. because moms are the main ones asking us questions. Uh, some others, but I would say 60 to 70% of our questions come in from moms. So, so that's a way to celebrate you that course. So Michael, off the top of your head, if you were to give a a mom who's listening, and I I think most of our, our parents, moms, our audience, they're raising younger kids. um, And, um, but, but let's say they're younger kids, teenagers, What's one or two pieces of advice you would give to a mom uh, as she gets ready to celebrate Mother's Day this coming week? Well, uh, let's see. I would, you know, I would say to um, uh, continue the attachment. Always be, you know, always being attached. That's just that's really the baseline. You can't make too many mistakes if you're always being attached. Or in more common language, you know, just love that child. Uh, that that's really really true, actually. Uh, and then also give yourself the relief as a mom that if you if you and some people around you are f- focused on your kids, then, you know, the odds are your kids are going to turn out great. Like you don't, as a mom, have to buy into a social trend about this way to parent or that way to parent. You know, um, uh, your instincts are probably really good, um, you know, and we're going to we're going to you're not abusing your kids. So we're bracketing that out. So you're a normal mom. And you're doing it your way and you love your child 
and uh, the odds are that child turns out well in large part because of what you're doing. So I guess I'd say buck the social trends. If you hear a social trend saying there is this way to be a mom, you know, really be a citizen scientist and study it and, and make sure that's the right way to be a mom because your instincts are probably really good, mom. Uh, for me, I, there's a couple things I think about. Um, I've read now in two or three different sources that um, uh, surveys tell us that women today, moms today, uh, tend to be less happy than they were maybe 30 years ago. And a lot of it has to do with just the busyness that culture seems to impose on moms. And that's kind of similar to what Michael is saying. There are so many new fads coming along, or you need to get your kid in this, 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 and this. And of course, we just had this big college scandal going on with these uh, famous moms trying to get their kids into the best colleges. And there's such pressure today to build up a kid's vita. Um, and uh, even starting in kindergarten, if we don't get my kid, if I don't get these things on my kid's vita, by the time he or she's ready for college, they're never going to get in a good college. And so the pressure to be over busy um, is so, so strong. And so for me, this is, this is where I'm an old guy now speaking, who's been there and now has grandkids. The time with your kids goes so fast. Uh, my baby girl is 38 years old and has two kids of her own, and I can't believe it went that fast. So moms, I would say what Michael said, just figure out how to best love your kids and enjoy the moment uh, don't be over busy. Uh, your kids need you. Yeah, they need to be in sports and music. Those are good things, but they just want to be with you and be with dad. And um, so take time to be mom and, and just enjoy that moment, whatever that means for you. And um, like Michael said, don't let the pressures of society dictate how you're going to be mom. Listen to this podcast because we're here to guide you, but listen to your heart and uh, you know how to be a great mom. So we want to wish all of you moms a happy Mother's Day. And um, we want to wish that to uh, the women who raised you as well. Maybe moms, maybe teachers, grandparents. It might be, uh, you know, just a mentor down the street. A lot of great women who played the role of moms in our lives. We give thanks for all of you. Here, here. Mike, I'm going to give you a yeah, final no, here, word. Here. That was beautiful. That was beautiful. Yes. We love you, moms. Take a day for yourself. <laughs> All right. Yep. We will be back with you next time. We're going to do a listener's question. Thanks for listening.